This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Here we are, ready to talk about and recap the Oklahoma TCU game. The Frogs lose 38-20 to in Norman. Two losses in the Big 12. We still control our own destiny in getting into the Big 12 title game, but the playoff might just be beyond our grasp right now. We're going to talk about the TCU-OU game. We're going to take a moment and be grateful for our program and where it's at. We're going to look forward to Texas Tech. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, tonight I've got Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern with me. Jeremiah's a little sick. We'll let him uh, give you the details of that next time. He might just be recovering from the loss. I know he traveled with his buddy Jeremy up there to the game. Daniel sounds like he was hobnobbing with the millionaires up there at the game. Fellas, I sat on my couch, and I was not happy to say the least. Jeremy, you were there. I don't even know where to start, but just tell me what you saw. Well, that was a tough game to watch. I mean, that was uh, – I mean, it, it. you're watching the best player in college football with Baker Mayfield. I know I talked about it on my snap judgments. I mean, he's he's the best player in college football. Um, he's a, he's a, a great quarterback, and uh, OU's got a really good team. I mean, I don't think – I think everyone was kind of respecting what they were doing up to this point. Um, I think they looked at the eight and one record with that one loss to Iowa State at home and just believing that if Iowa State can win there, so could TCU. And TCU's been playing much better defense all year long. OU hasn't seen a defense like TCU's. TCU has seen an offense like Oklahoma because they've played against Mason Rudolph. They played against Will Greer. And I don't think anyone expected it to be like that. I know that I predicted OU would win by a small margin. And I was I was back and forth the whole time. I couldn't decide if I was going to pick TCU or OU. And the only reason I picked OU to win that game is because it was at home. And I'll just tell you, and Daniel can kind of echo in too and chime in too, but that atmosphere, man, it was so electric. I mean, that was the largest crowd they've ever had at a football game in Oklahoma history last night, guys. Yeah, I don't know if they said, I don't know if they said that on TV, but eighty eight thousand yeah, eighty eight thousand three hundred eight was the largest crowd they've ever had for a football game. And when you look back at Oklahoma's storied tradition, that's that's saying something. I mean, this game was big for them. I mean, it was electric in pregame. Baker Mayfield's running around the field, waving his arms, getting the crowd excited, and you just kind of got that feeling where you thought, man. They are really, really pumped up for this game. TCU came out firing, though. They they had a you know a mishap their first, first drive with John getting that personal foul penalty. I didn't like them getting in the hole like that right off the bat, but they bounced back on defense. They hold them to a field goal, and you're thinking, okay, well, here's here's OU. They had this great opportunity to come out and score a touchdown. They had great field position, went down, and TCU held them to a field goal. And you're thinking, okay, well, Oklahoma's seeing a little bit of defense. This is this is what they've haven't seen all year. They haven't seen a fast defense like TCU. And then TCU goes back and scores right away. So TCU's got the seven, three lead. And then here comes Oklahoma, but it, it was a really, a really good game. And, and like I said before, I, I thought, OU, excuse me, would have the chance to win. And I, they're guys, they're just a really good football team. That is a complete football team. They have, I know everyone talks about how bad their defense is. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But I told the guys in the press box last night that I felt like TCU was going to have to score at least 60 to win the game. Of course, TCU shuts OU out in the second half or shuts them out in the second half. But 
it just it just kind of had that feeling all night once once you saw you get the ball the first couple times you just knew it was going to be a long night for the defense Daniel, you traveled up with the the Frog Club bus, got a police escort, which is kind of cool. Um, to, what was it like to be there at the game, and just what was your general reaction? You know, halfway through the second quarter, I felt like, oh, my gosh, I think this is about to break loose. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely did. That was a, an extremely hostile environment um, as far as the crowd uh, affecting the game. Um they're not hostile towards us. They were very nice. Nicest fan base I've ever experienced. In fact, they were thanking me for coming. It was really interesting. Um, so I, I, I'm sure other people have had experience with Oklahoma fans uh, up there, but I was worried I was going to get pelted like at Tech or something, but no, absolute opposite. <laughs> anyway, um, no, they uh, they are, they were created the most insane environment uh, I've been to for a college football game. Uh, at one point, I think uh, I think we went for it. It was later in the game on fourth down, and um, I thought the place was going to collapse. It was shaking. They were just jumping up and down. There's so many people, and uh, yeah, it felt like that game was just really going to be even worse than it turned out to be um, there in the second quarter. Um, I don't know the stat of uh, how many points. Uh, one of the TCU team, at least under Gary Patterson, has given up in the first half. Other than maybe, I don't know what the score at the half was of the uh, the 2014 Baylor game. Um, maybe that one is kind of similar, but that was insane. They just kept scoring like it, they didn't have to try. He just um, he would throw it. That was the tight end that made all those catches. Mark yes. Andrews. Mark yes. Andrews had a catch. Mark Andrews and uh, Grant. Uh, Calcaterra, I think is his name, number 80, had yeah. that other great catch in the end zone. Yeah, it was hard to keep track of. It was so loud of, of where it was. So um, it was <laughs> – that was crazy. And so it was – I kind of just conceded it at the half. And, you know, and then, of course, like you said, Jeremy, they shut it down. They shut down the offense, I think. But I also don't know how much they just uh, – Oklahoma just kind of – took their foot off the gas um, because they knew or they thought that we just couldn't come back offensively. And and turns out they were right if that was the case. So it was yeah. just, a, it was just a bad, yeah. bad news bears. Well, that's, you know, you know I, just, I, I kind of mentioned that, that it, it looked like that Oklahoma wasn't going in as fast as they were in the first half and uh, as they were in the second half. And when I watched on the TV replay to replay today, they had talked to uh, Lincoln Riley after the game and he had mentioned the way his defense was playing allowed him to kind of put his offense on cruise control, which means he took his, he essentially took his feet off the gas, his foot off the gas. So it, yeah, TCU did a great job of shutting them out in the second half, but anyone that watched the game knew that the first half play calling for Oklahoma was much different than the second half play calling for Oklahoma. Yeah, my working theory on that, aside from the fact that their defense was playing so well, was they didn't want to play all their cards aware that there's a high likelihood we could end up meeting again in just a couple of weeks. So if I'm Lincoln Riley and I I had two pages of notes on on how to score on TCU and I only needed one page, I'm going to keep that second page and uh, keep it for the rematch in Dallas. So I would not be surprised if awareness of a a rematch is probably shaping and truncating what what Lincoln was wanting to call. Jeremy, I want to go... 
Sorry to interrupt. I wouldn't be surprised if, if TCU kind of pulled the same thing and just conceded yeah. at some point and, and thought, you know, this it's out of hands. Let's, you know, switch our, our game plan here to if we have anything we can hold back to use against them later um, because this one's already too far gone. I don't know. I would like to think that they would keep trying to win, but um, some of those play calls were head scratchers and those very conservative plays. I will, I want to jump on what Daniel had said about the fans earlier that it is a great it's a great atmosphere to go to and the fans are extremely nice up there. It's one of the one of the best places we've gone to a, a lot of different venues in the Big 12 and and I would say Oklahoma is definitely the nicest fan base. And the thing about it Daniel, I don't know if you noticed but toward the end of the game, you know, Oklahoma's got this game well in hand. It's 38-20. There's still a ton of fans there. No one has left. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, is, it is still loud. I mean, it's electric. They they never left their seats. I mean, it was it was crazy. And as as TCU went over there, they they sang the school song and the and the players running off the field. I was over there by the tunnel where the the locker room was for TCU, and the OU fans were literally applauding TCU as they were running off the field. So that was that was pretty classy for them to do that. Yeah, I, I really they they really were, and I've heard good things about you know Kansas Kansas State, and um, th- I would I would expect that from those kinds of fan bases that you know, but Oklahoma with the kind of success they have, um, I was expecting more of a Texas type attitude, um, but no, not even not even close. I mean, I was literally people were coming up to me and asking about TCU, asking about Fort Worth, asking about me. I have no idea why, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, buddy. Hey, man, you do that podcast, man. You on that podcast, y'all do down there? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe how many calls I get about that every week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm literally walking up the steps and some old lady, she, you know, sticks out her hands. She does that, that double hand handshake where she gets both sides oh, yeah. of your hands, thanking me for coming. And I said, well, I'm glad to be here. And it was just really, I, I guess it was, it took me off guard because I had never been up there. And I was expecting some kind of hostility because, you know, arrogance because of the history of the program, the size of the school, things like that. But nah, man, they they blow everyone else out of the water, especially tech. And I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. Me and Jeremiah had this discussion. You have got to give some major, major props to the coaches that recruit against a school like Oklahoma and win those battles to win a battle like they did last year with Jalen Rager and, and some of these other battles they've won in, in past years. Because just being a recruit walking around that campus, I mean, the campus is pretty nice. You see the atmosphere before the game. It's getting the hairs on your arms to stand up. And it's it's just crazy. And I, this isn't – I'm not – Oklahoma's not paying me to talk good about their school. I'm just calling a spade a spade. I'm calling what I saw. But, man, for TCU to out-recruit Oklahoma for some of those guys, I mean, that – that should tell any TCU fan those those TCU coaches bust their ass to get these recruits and man it, just just being in that type of atmosphere I I can understand why football players want to go play football at Oklahoma whether you're from Texas uh, Oklahoma or as they've done for so long recruit nationally if if you're from California or Florida Oklahoma it, you kind of gravitate toward it well. 
you know, just to reference what you're saying, you think about Jalen Rager, you think about Corey Bethley, think about Noah Daniels. Those are guys that had big offers from OU, heavily pursued, and right. the Frogs were able to land them. So that right. that does speak so highly to our staff and and the in the level that we have elevated recruiting in, in inside of this program. So absolutely, um, yeah, that's a great way to that's a great way to kind of frame what the Frogs were able to do to just put themselves in the position to be in this game. You know, that's that's what that is all about. It's just to just to have this moment, um, which I think was probably a year earlier than most people thought. Is is a testimony to the Frogs' ability to to recruit and steal a kid away from OU because you see what they roll out there. I want to look at a couple of moments inside of this game if you guys are willing to go <laughs> willing to go there. Jeremy, right before half, the Frogs are across midfield, fourth and two. We punt. What did you think about that? That was one of those plays where I thought they should have gone for it. Um, at that point, OU was doing pretty much what they wanted to do uh, during the whole game, and, and it was – it, it, can't, it became the point it didn't matter if they were 90 yards away from scoring or 65 yards away from scoring. They were going to score no matter where they were on the football field. So I was kind of one of those guys that said, it's fourth and two. Why not go for it? What do you have to lose? If, if, if you put if, if you give OU the ball right there, your defense is having a tough time stopping them. Yeah, they're probably going to score. But even if you punt it away and, and you pin them deep, yeah, there's a likelihood they're going to score. And I can't remember if that's the one where Nunez pinned them at the one and they still drove to midfield and they completely flipped the field on TCU. But No, this was the one before the half where they didn't pin them deep. And then, of course, Mayfield took the ball and they, and they went all the way down the field and scored. Yeah, so, the, I mean, that's that was definitely one of the plays. And we asked we asked him about that after the game and he kind of gave the, the – coach gave the generic answer about – you don't want to make it into you don't want to make this game turn into two games and three games and i really was trying to reference what he was saying but i i really couldn't get an understanding on it just because later in the game they went for it on a fourth and 12 and so that's that's what became the head scratcher to me what did they at that point what did they have to lose they were already down 31 to 14 and mm-hmm. They, it, with OU getting the ball at the yeah, end with, of the, OU getting the ball, you know, it, it start, starts start the second, second half. half. Right. And so at that point I was thinking, okay, what, what did they have to lose? There was moments on the offense that they were making plays. I mean, it just, it just came down to, you know, you had a guy like Darius go out hurt. I thought that really hurt him really bad. Uh, you had, really hurt. you had some, you know, key drop passes in the game. You had some overthrown passes, and you had some offensive line protection concerns. I mean, there was there was a lot of things that went into this game um, that could be blamed. But you know, that was uh, you know not going for it wasn't going to change the game completely. But yeah, at, at that point, I thought, why, what's what's the biggest thing? What what are you going to lose by going for it? And when you have an offensive line that's as big as TCU's, and they've they've done so great this year, just just moving defensive lines out of the way and creating running lanes for Kyle Hicks and Darius and, and those guys. I kind of thought, you know, they, and you've got speed with Kenny Hill. Kenny, if you haven't noticed, has been really running great the last two weeks. I mean, he's really taken he it upon himself to really go out and make plays with his feet. And I've, I've, I've been impressed with what he's been able to do. So when you have all those variables and it's fourth and just two yards, I mean, just two yards, you're, you're, you're scratching your head. Why did they not go for it there? And that was one of those, if I was the coach, yeah, I would, I would have definitely gone for it on fourth and two. Daniel, let's flip over into the fourth quarter. We got it down to an 18-point game. Again, we had a fourth down, and they went ahead and they punted. 
that seemed like I mean you can you can simply recite what Jeremy said and it'd be the same situation. But do you feel like what what do you think is the mindset at the, of the staff at that point? And let's not pretend like we know. But what would you think? What what were they thinking when they decided there in the fourth quarter? Let's let's just punt rather than try to find a way to 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 put another big dent into this lead. I, I thought they were just conceding defeat. You know, um, that's that's just what it felt like. I haven't gone back and watched it. It was too depressing. Um, and of course I woke up at like noon today cause I got home so late. So, um, it, it was, it was, that's just what it felt like. And, and it, I just, it was just a general vibe. Um, the, my group of fans and I think some people around us, we had kind of already just given up and we were just there to, you know, support the team, but we could tell that this, this game wasn't happening. And, um, so I, I think now. Well, actually, I have a question. Before that, when uh, when did the punt happen? We, they went, they scored to make it twenty, and then they went for two. When was yes. that? That was very early in the fourth. Quarter. Yeah, that was very early in the fourth. Because okay. at that point, I, at that point, I thought they were going to have a chance to make it look like it did last year in Fort Worth. That little comeback. Yeah, I did too. I did too. And, yeah. I, I, and in, I, I, in some ways, it felt exactly like the game in fifteen. Right. Exactly. I would. Sorry, I would say. I, I would say that. I would say the only. You know, to to kind of comment on that question too, Jeff. The only difference I saw in them punting with eight minutes to go is because they were on their side of the fifty. They were basically, if they didn't make it, they were going to give Oklahoma the ball and. What, I don't remember what yard line it was, probably the 40-yard line, somewhere around there. And, and at that point, I don't think Gary wanted them to score again. I don't think he wanted to make it look bad again. And Oklahoma had really conceded to them, too. They they knew they were going to win the game. So if you looked at what they were running on offense after they got the ball, yeah, Rodney Anderson got that long gain down the right sideline. But other than that, it was pretty vanilla play calling, and they were just giving him the ball. But, yeah, I think, I think if – the only reason they punted at that situation was just because they were on their own side of the 50. No, I think you're right there. And I think they didn't want it to get to 45 or 52. I think they wanted to keep that under 40 and keep that shutout in the second half. But um, that, that, that all makes sense. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that are, that are in play there be, simply beyond what's going on on the, on the next play or whether you go forward or on fourth down. I, you know, I, I, I'm looking at a couple of things that I wish could have happened that I think could have made some changes. Uh, the ability to to run the ball wasn't there the way that it the way that I thought it could be, and I know Darius Anderson going out was uh, a big a big issue. And we didn't get the ball to Jalen Rager. I know we talked about wanting to get the ball to Turpin more, yeah. and we did, but. You know, Jalen Rager, he's got to get the ball in his hand. I dropped a pass. That's that's on him. That's that's not on the – and why, why throw it again? But we got to find a way to get the ball in his hands. And then the last thing I want to talk about before we, we, we talk about the Baker Mayfield, I do want to give that a moment. Running back, talk to me about Coach Patterson's comments in the postgame. Talk to me about Shea ability to run the ball in the game. And are we really down to just Kyle Hex or nobody running the ball? Jeremy, I, I'd love your hot sports opinion on this. Well, I mean, it, I, Gary wasn't really just pointing the finger at Shaywo. I think that's what pretty much everyone just assumed in the postgame presser because he, to, to fill everyone in, he was 
It wasn't Cole Hunt he was talking about. No, it definitely wasn't Cole Hunt. Uh, to, to fill everyone in, someone had asked about Darius and uh, the impact it had for him not playing. Matter of fact, I think it was me that asked the question, how much did it hurt you guys not having Darius? And he went into talking about the next guy's got to step up and the next guy that was supposed to step up tonight didn't do what he, you know, he's been complaining about getting the ball, this and that, and he didn't do anything. And everyone's, you know, he didn't have to tell us who it was. We all knew who he was talking about. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about Sean Nixon or Kennedy Snell. He wasn't, he was, he was talking about Shaywell. So he's, uh, he was basically just kind of saying, you know, this guy needs to step up a little bit better. I don't know what kind of back Shaywell is going to be. He's, He's a big back. I mean, he's 6'3", 225, but it's, it, he, is not, he is not the same kind of caliber of running back Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson are. He's, he's a completely different back. He's more of the power, power back, going to get you the short yardage. And Darius and Kyle are going to be the guys that are going to be able to uh, hit, those, hit those little seams, take it 60 yards, and go to the house for a touchdown. I, I love Shavo to death. He's a great kid and everything else. I question why he's in there on third down situations as third down back, especially in passing situations, because he's not as quick and it's nothing against him. He's just, he's not as quick as Kyle. He's not as quick as Darius and he's certainly not as quick as Kennedy Snell. So I'm, I'm kind of questioning why Shaywo's in there as a third down back. And I, I got to think that the way he was running the other or last night, it probably didn't impress coach Patterson too much. And if you've really watched Shaywo the last few games when he runs the ball, he runs hard, but it's just not – I don't think he's – it's tough to explain. I don't think he's the type of running back that fits this system. I don't think the 6'3", 225-pound back is the ideal running back for the system that they're trying to run, if that makes sense. Well, everybody talks about like he's going to be Bo Scarborough, and I, you know, I think you could put Bo Scarborough in this system and, and obviously have an impact. I don't want to sound like an armchair coach, but he still runs upright. He still he is he giving linebackers so much of that big frame. I mean, being a big back is great, but that also means to give you more opportunity to more space to be hit and his ability to, to run leaning forward so that they don't immediately get a hit on him. Right. I, I don't know what, I don't know why that keeps happening. And I, I, I know he's not being told to do that. So, that that is not helping the situation at all. I know I sound like a seventh grade football coach, but it's just not helping the situation with the way that he gets the ball in his hands and what he does when he gets it. And I think he's got all the ability in the world. And I'm not going to uh, talk about how he needs to go to linebacker, but he, it's it's not accomplishing what we thought it could. Right. And there's got to be some recalibration of that in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think the I, only I think he's... go ahead, Daniel. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say the only the only running play that really impressed me he was against Arkansas when he dragged like five or six guys with him. And of course it turns out they suck. So what does that, I don't know what that means now because everything, and he, he, he runs hard, like you said, and it's not that he's not trying. He's just kind of, for some reason he hits a wall and, and that's about it. Right. In Arkansas, it was also the first time we ran the Wild Frog. And then when you start getting film on it, well, oh, they're in the Wild Frog and Shea was running the ball. Yeah. Well, we, we all know what's going to happen, you know? Right. I think he's got. A, I still think he's got a good future ahead of him. But he does have to change some of his tendencies, though. I think, like you mentioned, Jeff, he runs high. I think he's need, he needs to learn how to lower lower his shoulders a little bit, not allow linebackers to just come in and just punish him the way they do. He's he's a big kid. He's six three two twenty twenty five. Lower your head and just run over kids. I mean, that's that's 
the type of running back you are. You're not going to be the guy that's going to beat guys to the outside. You're not going to beat a guy to the sideline. And, and that's that's the big question I have, you know, as far as him being the third down back right now is that he maybe catches the ball really well. And I, I do like the way he, he picks up blitzes. He does do a good job picking up blitzes, and he does do a good job uh, blocking for Kenny Hill when he's in there on those third down situations. And that's probably why he's in there. You know, they, they, they have to have – Everything is part of a run back. I don't think they can trust Kennedy Snell right there to be the guy to protect no, Kenny Hill. No. Kenny Hill's blind side right now. So that's we're our we are all armchair quarterbacks at this point. We don't know and, and unless we start getting Sonny on here and Sonny starts telling us why he runs things a, a certain way, <laughs> then then we're then we're all just speculating right now. And we're sometimes we'll sound idiotic. Sometimes people go, you know what? I was saying the same thing. That that does kind of make sense, but. For us, for us armchair quarterbacks, it's it's us from the outside looking in. We we don't know exactly why they do the things that that they do, but you know it's it's uh, something some, something's got to change a little bit. I think moving forward with uh, the way he's playing, and and I think you're going to see uh, some of those things coming in the near future because it, it seemed the way just I look at. I like I look at person's uh, a person's mannerisms and the way Gary answered that question. He did not look happy. You no, know, he did not. Considering the quality of officiating, he probably runs upright because he's afraid of getting called for targeting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or a review. We're gonna have. Oh a my review. god! If you took a shot every time they said we were gonna review a play, you would uh, you would not have gotten to Ardmore, Oklahoma. We, no. we oh my were gosh. united as fans against that refereeing crew. Oh they, man, we were, it was great. It was fun to 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 join forces and give them hell. The, the targeting was a TCU player on another TCU player. We will review whether that TCU player will be ejected for targeting his own player. <laughs> Now we will it review the whether or not it yeah. shall be reviewed is under review. Even that play, every game, I just want I, that play when when Baker escaped and he was running downfield, and I forget who it was that hit him and, and knocked the ball out, but Baker was able to recover the fumble, or Marcel Aitman did. Whoever, or not Marcel Aitman, he doesn't even play for the right team. Uh, whoever it was that recovered the fumble, they reviewed that play. I'm like, why? Are they, why are even the guys in the press box were like, why are we? Why are they reviewing this play? This is oh. the craziest thing yeah. ever. Either, either and that's, way, it's right, man. The fans were booing. Yeah, exactly. Where that's what we were all. He he recovered his own fumble. Are you are you trying to find out if he fumbled the ball or were you trying to find, they, find out? It the was literally watching it on TV. What it would have been was basically is the ball at the 46 or the 47. So we had that massive delay for what was a first down, for what was a clear recovery by Oklahoma over three feet. Just set the ball and go. Just set the ball yeah. and go. Daniel's right, though. I mean, it was it was fans united going against those referees last night. It was – I even put it on my snap judgments. They The OU fans were even booing the referees. It was, it was pretty classic. I felt bad for those guys after the game, to be honest with you. I want – I, I want Mike DeFree for every game that's got the guy that's got the guns. He needs to be – he's the best official oh, yeah. in the Big 12. I want him out there. Nobody argues that. with him. No. <laughs> the, the previous play is under further review. That's him. The, the big old yeah. country. That's it. Hey, yeah. hey, he's from out in, I think he's from Beaumont. He's from out in East Texas. Pardon this interruption while I'll go do some curls. 
right. Something they I don't that dude's they, got some biceps. I don't I don't know that they showed it on TV because it's probably during a timeout. But Patterson was ripping the, like three referees a new one on the sideline for like five minutes. He just was tearing them up, and it was later in the game after they pulled all their shenanigans. And um, on the bus, we actually watched the TCU OSU game. And it's that same crew. And that's the one who he comes out and tells us, oh, we're reviewing to see whether or not the ball hit the sky cam wire. And I'm oh, just my like, gosh. Oh, yeah. And then they had that illegal, the hold that should have been illegal participation yeah. on Ennis's fumble yeah. recovery. So, that's right. Yeah, so we had to watch that crap for three hours. And then when we get there, it's the same crew pulling the same crap. They They just, something needs to be done. It's just bad. That is bad. It probably cost thirty minutes of the game too. Yeah. Oh, easily, easily. Now I know we're kind of caught up here in the game, but I just got to ask one more thing. Did you guys see what what Matt Bozen did? No, I didn't see it live. No, and we were trying. I didn't either. We were trying to figure it out, and I mean, there's not really. I don't think you're really going to get a good angle of it unless you get a hold of uh, either TCU's film department or Oklahoma's film department. Um, from the play because TV reviews really didn't show much. It certainly didn't show him kicking like a madman, like they were basically saying he was uh, kicking and scraping or whatever the heck they called the the penalty on the field. Um, but no, I didn't see it. And and I asked uh, a couple of the, the film people from TCU if they saw it and, and they didn't see anything either. So I think it's going to be one of those deals where they're probably going to send the footage to the big 12 to have them review it because right now Matt's out of the, the first half against Texas Tech, and that's a big blow. I mean, that's a, that's a team that's going to – No, no, no. He won't have to sit. Oh, you no. don't think so? Because he got kicked out. No. It's in the first half. It's like targeting. If you get oh, okay, first if you half, get kicked right. out for targeting in the first half, you're out the whole game. If you get hit for targeting in the second half, or I don't know about an unsportsmanlike conduct. I don't, it's probably Yes, that's correct. Same. That's right. Because going back to the Tech game in 14, remember when Chris they said Chris Hackett took a swing at somebody? And then they reviewed the tape, and he didn't. So he got to play in the game the next week. So there's no Bozen did that in the first half. So no matter what the rule is, he's back for the first half for Tech. Okay, well, good deal. Yeah, he is back for that. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and give uh, uh, let's go ahead and give respect 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 is due. Baker Mayfield is a heck of a football player. He's the best football player in college football. He needs to win the Heisman Trophy. You can say what you want about him. he's a punk or he doesn't, you know, he plays plays the no respect card. But man, he he just did everything he wanted in the first half and more. And I don't I don't know what to do other than applaud and say, well done, buddy, you did it. All I can say is if Baker Mayfield was wearing a purple helmet with a black jersey oh. and purple pants, TCU fans would love him, love him like OU fans do. Yeah, he he's he's abrasive. He. He does things a little unorthodox. He he's he's a he's a quarterback. You're not he he's supposed to be humble, I guess you could say, and and he does play the respect card a lot. But he he's deserved that right, man. And I mean, you're talking about a kid that literally had two or three offers coming out of high school. No one wanted to recruit him because he was five foot eleven, and and uh, it, it was crazy. He's going to be a walk on Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, Baker was Baker was a really good excuse me, really good quarterback in high school. And, and really that was the only knock on him was he was 5'11". But we, a lot of people knew he was going to grow a little bit. He's obviously not 5'11 anymore. He was, uh, I mean, he, if you look at the stories on him, he was 5'2 as a freshman. So he grew nine inches in high school. 
and everyone knew he was probably going to grow a few more inches once he got to college and he has, but, um, that was really the only knock of him coming out of high school and, and for him, just the path that he's taken to, to get where he is now, no one really wanting him. He goes to walk on at tech plays as a true freshman and they still don't want to offer him a scholarship. So he, he's basically like, okay, well the heck with you guys, I'm out of here. And then they try to stop him from going to Oklahoma. Then he, you know, whatever it is that his, he's delayed to play up there. Then he goes to Oklahoma and he's, he's done the, the things that he's done the last two years for that program. I mean, he's, he's earned the right to kind of be cocky. I guess you could say he's earned the right to stick his chest out a little bit and flap his arms, do whatever the heck he wants to do. He's a really, really good quarterback and, and just his passes, man. I mean, they are so much on the money. I mean, he, he throws, I was watching him in pregame. I mean, his release is crazy. I can't believe that he's not on more NFL draft boards. I hope for him and for the big 12 that he kind of keeps going up a little bit. I know he's, he's starting to get on a few of them, but not, not really. No one really thinks of him as a first or second round caliber type guy. Not that I know of, but the way he could throw the football, I mean, he's throwing precise passes that, that touchdown pass he threw to, uh, Calcaterra, is that his name? I mean, that was yes. that was a beautiful pass. I mean, Montrell Wilson has got blanket coverage on the guy, and he throws it to the only place where his guy could catch it. And just a perfect pass, and he hits Mark Andrews in stride. A lot of his receivers, he hits them in stride. The only one he didn't really hit in stride was uh, Marquise Brown, uh, right after the play where they fumbled the snap and uh, Isahaku went in to get the fumble and his helmet hit right on Mayfield's leg. And you can tell that that Baker was really, really limping around when that hit happened and he couldn't step into his throws. And so when he had that next that next pass to Brown, he threw it behind him and that was really the only bad pass he had all night. He didn't really have any pass uh, other than the Nico Small uh, breakup that was close to being intercepted. He does a great job with his feet, and he's a leader. I mean, you can tell that that guy is loved by every single one of those football players for Oklahoma, whether it be offense or defense. They all gravitate toward him. And when you're competing for a national championship, I mean, what else do you want? You want you want a guy on your team that is the best player in college football, and he is. It's funny because I saw someone post about Sonny Cumbie is not the answer. Link, look at Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley has the best damn football player in America. Are you oh. kidding me? I mean, good. Oh man, gosh. if you're if you're if you're listening to this and you were bad mouthing Sonny 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 Cumbie at the end of that game, unsubscribe from our podcast and leave the board. That's the dumbest thing I've seen all of of a series of dumb things. Give me a break. Give me a break. But no, he, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Kevin Sumlin get bank loaded off of having Johnny Manziel. It's amazing what the best player in college football will do. for Exactly. Him. And I, I can say without a doubt that even though people are going to hate it because they look at his off the field antics more than they do as a player, he deserves the Heisman Trophy. He does. He deserves, he de- he oh, deserves to be the guy yeah. up there on the podium, giving his speech. It's a great story, man. He, from where he came from, yeah, I don't care if he's cocky. I don't care if he's this self-absorbed little brat, rich brat from Lake Travis. I don't care. He's still a great football player, and 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 he the is. fans at Oklahoma love him. If this kid was at TCU, 
TCU fans would be loving him the exact same way. Oh, they would. They would. And I know it's not the same level, but let's be honest, man. When when Josh Dawson would go up and catch that ball, and he would just kind of turn and do that half strut, half dance, and toss the ball to the ref nonchalantly. Oh, I love that. I love I love that. He'd do that against Texas. There there was nothing better than that. Turpin takes one in the house, pulls that Superman chest in front of the band. Oh, I love yeah. that. You love when a guy plays with that kind of energy. Baker Baker's got another level to it, and that's that's who he is. And he's got a different story, and that's okay. You know, I don't I don't pull for him, I don't cheer for him, but you got to recognize how good he is. There's just no mistake about it. Yeah. Well, we'll just go ahead and leave it at that. Daniel doesn't have a comment. Daniel well, doesn't have a comment on Baker. I don't care for him. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I don't really disagree with that, but he is what he is, and you got to recognize it. Well, let's just take a moment here. Uh, the Frogs are 8-2. and two. We've got two more games left. I don't think anybody thought this is where we were going to be. If we would have put true serum into all of us in August, I think I think I was the most optimistic going into the season where I said we had a chance to maybe backdoor our way into the Big 12 title game. And now we still control, basically control. If we win out, we can get there. We're, we're, in, we're in great shape. Uh, but I didn't think we'd be this far. I didn't think we'd be this strong, this, uh, this deep into the season. Let's just take a moment here. Like, like, what are you grateful for from this season? This is a good team. There's a lot of good, good memories that are going to come from this team. I don't think it's going to be heralded like maybe 14 or 15 the way that it, I think it should be. So, you know, Jeremy, when you think about what you're grateful for for this program, especially this team right now, what are some of the positive things that come to your mind? Well, I don't think anyone expected – I mean, from the outside looking in, of course, the fans, the fans are all going to expect big things. They they want an undefeated season or at worst, a, a two loss season. But as far as the media perspective and the national perspective, this team was picked to finish fifth or sixth in the Big 12 this year, guys. I mean, no one expected them, even though they had a lot of players coming back, no one really expected them to do what they did. I mean, they were right on the outside of the top 25, but they weren't getting a lot of respect um, from the media that covered the Big 12. And for them to right now still be in in great contention to play in the Big 12 championship, I think that says a lot. I mean, I think as far as the fans go, of course, yeah, you would love to see that team make the playoffs. I mean, they had a they had a great run this year. But if you asked anyone this year, would you take eight and two at the end of uh, what's today, November 12th? Would you like to be eight and two on November 12th and still have a chance to play for the Big 12 championship? You would have said. Hell yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, the, the team right now is playing good. They've, they've got a loss to a, a, a pretty tough Iowa State team. They played Oklahoma State tough, just like I thought they would yesterday. And they've got a loss to the number three team in the country right now on the road. I mean, that's, that's a tough place to play up in Oklahoma. They haven't won up there since joining the Big 12. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. But I think people need to sit back, and and I can't remember who it was that made a great post on the board last night as far as the, the reality check. This this team has uh, a lot of thing a lot of things going for it. The fans have a lot to be thankful for. You're eight and two. You're still a top, basically a top ten team. Okay, the, the AP poll is a crap poll right now. I can't I can't fathom the reason why they have Oklahoma State in front of TCU. Yeah, they played. They beat Iowa State, and maybe they played a little bit better against Oklahoma, but 
whoop de doo I mean, that's it's still uh, I still think TCU is a better football team, but there's there's a lot to be thankful for as far as what you're seeing for years to come. I think Sonny Cumbie's done a great job running the offense. People are going to be concerned with his play calling. I think he's done a great job. What people don't need to get caught up in is is bashing players. I mean, I I don't I don't get the whole bashing the players thing. Yeah, they're college athletes, but I I don't get the whole bashing the players of uh, you know because they make mistakes. Kenny Hill always comes to mind. Kenny Hill is going to be the oh. scapegoat every every game because he's the quarterback. Quarterbacks get more glory when games are won than they probably should, and they get more blame when games are lost than they probably should. And I know people are going to look at this game and look at Kenny Hill and, and, and look at why TCU's 8-2. and two. Well, TCU's 8-2 and two because of Kenny Hill didn't have good games against Iowa State and Oklahoma. Kenny had 310 total yards last night, a touchdown. He had no turnovers. Okay, Kenny yeah. Hill, you should be thankful. TCU fans should be thankful he's thrown 16 touchdowns and only five interceptions this year. You should be thankful that he's running the football pretty good the last two weeks. Okay, Kenny Hill, love the kid to death. Great kid. Let's call a spade a spade. He's not one of the top quarterbacks in the Big 12. If you had a chance to take Will Greer, you would take Will Greer. If you had a chance to take Mason Rudolph, you would take Mason Rudolph. If you had a chance to take Baker Mayfield, no matter what you think about him outside on outside of the football field, you would take him. He's, he's a good player. If, if you look at other quarterbacks in the league, Kenny might be the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the league. He is what he is. Okay, People can't keep putting these – High expectations on him. He's he's not he's not the same caliber quarterback as Trevon Boykin was. He's just not. Trevon Boykin's on an NFL roster right now. Does anyone think Kenny Hill's going to be on an NFL roster next year? No. But be thankful that he's taken you to an eight and two season. He's done he's done more than what people expected him to do this year. People expected him. A lot of people expected him to be washed up by the Arkansas game when TCU started the season one and one and would lose on the road to Arkansas and Sean Robinson would be leading this team. Remember those conversations? Oh, I remember those conversations. Yeah. We'd be four and four without Kenny Hill. I mean, that's the bottom line. It, it, it best maybe four and four. We'd, we'd lose to Oklahoma state. That's a given. And we would probably lose, we would lose a West Virginia game. And then you start looking at some other things. You're like, well, you know, how do, what do we do against Texas? What do we do against, uh, what do we do against SMU? But we would, we would be four and four easily against, uh, without Kenny Hill and we are eight and two because of Kenny Hill, and that is, and I mean that in the best possible way. The only reason we have a chance to put ourselves in the big, t- the only reason we have a chance to be in the big title, Big Twelve title game, is because Kenny Hill has 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 willed the team this far. Of course, he's got issues. Of course, he's got you know makes mistakes. But that's not why. Um, that's not why we lost to Oklahoma. So no. I don't want to hear that. So I, hey. I too, join you in offering my gratitude for him. Uh, also, fans should be thankful for the defense. Defense is uh, playing lots out. This is the kind of defense. You can't take away what they played against Oklahoma, the way they played against Oklahoma. Okay, just that's – you're going to have those games. No matter who you are, you're going to have a game. No matter if you're great on offense or great on defense, you're going to have one of those games where you just didn't have your best game. And obviously, that was the game they've had this year. That's That wasn't their best game. Yeah, no. was it probably not at the the right time? <laughs> Absolutely, but it was it was still they they've done so good this year uh, defending these tough offenses. I mean, before Oklahoma, they had, they had stopped three of the top ten offenses in the country, and here they were, number six in a league where no one said that you could play defense in the Big Twelve. 
fans should be thankful that they're not Georgia today. I mean, they lost by by twenty something to to Auburn. And oh, they got rolled. You know, be th- be thankful you're not Tennessee. Be thankful you're not Florida. Be, <laughs> be, be thankful you're not a Be thankful you're not a And M. I mean, there's so many programs that you can look around at that are traditionally strong programs that are not having good years and have not had good years in I can't tell you how long, but people keep talking about how great they are and how good recruiting recruiting classes they sign. Be grateful for for a team like TCU that you have a coach like Gary Patterson that consistently has your your program with, within the top ten and top fifteen basically every year. So yeah. eight and two, they, just just be truthful with yourself. If someone told you, "Hey, Mister TCU fan, you could be eight and two on November twelfth and still have a chance to play in the Big Twelve Championship, and your team is ranked number eleven in the country," would you take it? Oh then, yeah, every and, single time. Yeah. So yeah, be, th- be thankful that you have a chance to say, "Well, hell yeah, I would take that." There well, you when you think about that article that Chris Lowe from ESPN wrote early this this last week about Coach Patterson about how how close he was to landing the Tennessee job, how close he was to landing the the Nebraska job, and then you hold that up against some other you know internet rumors that we've heard about. Maybe maybe Arkansas came calling. Maybe some other places that were interested. Man, if you're not grateful for this coach, without Gary Patterson. We are not in the Big 12. If we are not in the Big 12, we are we are at the Mountain West on CBS Sports Network at 10:30 kickoff against San Jose State. If you're not if you're not doing anything and, and connected to Patterson, of course, is the the staff and Sonny Cumbie and all of the other staff that have worked so hard to get us to where we are, beating out those recruits that could could have should have gone to Oklahoma. So I have a lot of gratitude for this staff. I I don't think. Your average TCU fan that is online or on, on on Killer Frogs or on our site or on any other site totally grasps what a miracle it is that we are continually in the playoff conversation. As we have been three of the four years of the playoff, we have been ranked this high in November. It is a minor miracle that begins and ends with Coach Patterson in the support of the administration, Chris Del Conte, not to say the least. So, man, it, you should just be thankful and uh, appreciate what this is rather than be critical and black, uh, Monday morning quarterback and where we are. Of course, we're not happy we lost. Of course, no fan is pleased that we got beat by Oklahoma and Iowa State. But, hey, in the grand scheme of things, this is a good program. This is a great team to follow. You could be you could be an Aggie on permanent anxiety alert, or you could be a TCU fan and enjoy that we continue to be the best program in the state of Texas. The fact that no one was talking that TCU started the season outside the top 25 to where they are now, I mean, how could you not be thankful for the type of year they're having right now? Yeah, how, do you, unless, how can unless, you not? Unless you're that tough guy that never loses at anything, and if I was running a business, I would have 100% every day, all day, and I never <laughs> lose. I think my favorite. I saw. I did see this on the on the on our page that said the two things guys think they know are, are the best at is barbecuing and coaching football. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Daniel, is there? I, I think there might be one thing you said you're most grateful for when you think about TCU football. What would that be? Showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they were up in Norman, Daniel, weren't they? Daniel, uh, yes. I, I, I believe uh, I, him. I forgot my binoculars, Scott. I couldn't see very well from my seat. Normally, from where I at at, at Eamon Carter, I got a good view. <laughs> 
living that bachelor life, man. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, let's pivot here to kind of wrap up with the Frogs Have Tech this week. Uh, what do you, Daniel? Let's start with you. What's it going to take to beat Texas Tech? Um, who did Tech play this weekend? Baylor. <laughs> Okay, I just had to get that out of the way. Um, I don't. <laughs> Tech's pretty crappy. Um, they've had um, the Shimanek's not too bad of a quarterback, but overall they're just not that good. Um, it's not going to take a, a massive effort. I don't think Tech's going to come in, um, especially at bouncing back after a, you know pretty bad loss. I just, I just. It's not going to be that um, tough. I mean, I'm not saying they need to take it lightly, but Tech's just just not very good. So, um, score some points. One win by one, whatever it is. <laughs> it is interesting. You think Cliffy might be coaching for his job? I don't think they want to fire him. I think he's still got pretty. I think he's still got seven or eight million dollars left on his contract. But yeah, man. I think that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's a problem. But they, they don't want to fire him, but it'd be nice to put him in a spot where they have to make a decision. Jeremy, what do you think the Frogs have to do on the offensive or defensive side of the ball to, to control the game and to, and to win in Lubbock? They've got to bounce back because, you know, Texas Tech's going to hammer them deep. I mean, they gave up. I lost count how many big plays they gave up against Oklahoma through the air. I think it was three or four that were over 35 yards. And I'm not too concerned with Texas Tech's run game. They don't have a Rodney Anderson in the backfield. Their offensive line isn't nearly as strong as Oklahoma's. I think that's another thing that we really didn't give a lot of credit to with Oklahoma, how strong their offensive line is. Uh, they've they've got to bounce back. I mean, they've got to understand they still have a lot to play for. Nick Shimanek's a, a really good quarterback. I mean, this guy can lot up some scoreboards. He's thrown for over 400 yards a couple times this year. They've got that Kuti kid. I can't remember. Is that how you say his name? I think he's number two for them. He's just like QT. Turpin. QT. He's, he's, he's another Turpin type. He's a fast, he's a fast guy. Took the opening kickoff uh, last week, yesterday against uh, Baylor for a touchdown. He's very, very fast. They're going to have to keep an eye on him. They've got Dylan Cantrell's another tall receiver. They've got uh, the kid out of Ryder. What is his name? The, big they've got a big 6-4 receiver so they're they're going to attack TCU secondary kind of like Iowa State and uh Texas and Oklahoma did Oklahoma really didn't have a big receiver they just had the fast guys that made outstanding catches but Texas and uh, Iowa State definitely uh went ahead and, and tested the frogs vertically with that deep passing game and kind of like those jump ball plays and I think they're going to do that to it's Basher uh, Basher's the kid's name um that they've got to watch out for but offensively I mean, Kyle Hicks, every week we do these predictions and we predict if there will be a 100-yard rusher or a 100-yard receiver. And Kyle Hicks is basically going to be the only guy you can give that award to this week because you're not going to have Darius Anderson. And I'm kind of questioning how many carries they're going to give a guy like Shaywo right now. But I think it's going to be the Kyle Hicks show against Texas Tech because they're like shredded cheese. They give up a ton of points, give up a ton of yards every game. Playing in Lubbock, it was funny because we're in the postgame presser last night and Mark Cohen tells us, okay, the kickoff for Texas Tech is going to be 3 p.m. So everyone starts to get on their phone and starts tweeting it out. And then literally like 
a minute or two later, he said, no. And, and, and coach P's on the radio with Estridge and Denton. He's, he's got his, got the headphones on. He's talking to them and he said, yeah, it's good. That's a day game. And Mark Cohen comes in and says, yeah, it's good. Actually the game just, just now got moved to 11. And so I, th- I, I think the fact that TCU's playing them early, I'm glad they have a chance to get back out on the field and don't have to wait all day Saturday to play in a game because I know they're chomping at the bits to get that bad taste out of their mouth from the Oklahoma game. And I'm loving the fact that they're getting to play in Lubbock at 11 a.m. instead of 7 p.m. Oh, because crazy, yes. crazy, crazy things happen in Lubbock at night. On the football, yeah, most field. of them at gas stations and on the football field. Yeah, exactly. Mostly in gas stations, though. I think. I mean, you and I disagree yeah. there. You say you say football field. I say gas stations. But I say the, I say gas stations. <laughs> okay, you say gas stations too. Okay, we're in agreement then. So the the big thing for them is just getting out, starting early, take taking the wind out of Texas Tech's sails because Texas Tech would love nothing better than to save their buddy Cliff's job. And what better way to do that than to beat? a top 15 team again. So they're, they they got to be on the, they got to be ready. TCU has got to be ready. Texas tech's going to come at them, but this is, this is a, a game. Uh, TCU has every chance to win by 20 to 30 points. If they play the game that they know how to play. And that's, that's the game they have to play right now. If they want to play for the big 12 championship, they've got to go out there and uh, get a win. And regardless, now that they're pretty much out of the playoff discussions, now they don't have so much stress of having to win by so much. Now it really doesn't matter if they win by one point because win by one against Texas Tech, win by one against Baylor, then you're playing Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game for a rematch. And then see how the, see how the chips fall when that happens. I just want to say this, this kind of a, as a parting shot here. I know that we have a Big 12 title game. You can debate the merits of it. Somebody was going to have to either beat Baker Mayfield twice or somebody was going to have to beat Gary Patterson twice. And that sounds like a uphill climb on both of those. Right. As frustrated as TCU fans feel right now, as much as you didn't like watching uh, Mayfield strut up and down that field, how sweet would it be to end the season beating Tech, beating Baylor, getting to the Big 12 title game in Tarrant County, and blocking Baker Mayfield from going to the playoff by beating them in the second matchup. Everything, it, it's not going to put us in the playoffs probably, but, man, I would, as much as I pull for the conference, I would delight in that. I would absolutely delight in that. So go ahead and get your expectations back up. We still have a lot of things to play for as a program. I would love to see the Frogs get in a spot to get into the Big 12 title game and do some damage. I think it would be – I think I, I would love to win the Big 12. We still have a shot to win the conference. I would, I would love that and not have to share it with that team in Waco. <laughs> Yeah. But you guys got anything on the way out the door here before we wrap up? Notre Dame sucks. <laughs> yes, they do. Who's your top? Notre who's your Dame. top four? Uh, who's your top four for playoff Tuesday? Oh, number one will be Alabama. Number two will be Clemson. Number three will be Miami. Number four will be. Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State will probably be seven. Auburn will be six. I'll go with that. Auburn will be ahead of. Uh, Auburn will be ahead of. Well, there's not a lot of one-loss teams left. Where you, are you going to put Two Oklahoma? Losses. Oh gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. That's my fault. You might put Oklahoma. 
I don't know. Do you put Oklahoma ahead of Miami? I think so because they, if, if, if they're going to go off what they said before, which was wins, and Oklahoma got a pretty convincing win over a over the number six team that had one of the top defenses in the country, and they won by basically three touchdowns. So I think that, that speaks well for them. I think yeah. – I, <laughs> I, I think Alabama I, I think Alabama is going to be one. I think Oklahoma is going to be two, Miami three, Oklahoma four. No, Oklahoma is going to be four. I just – I can't four. get past – I can't get past Clemson's one loss to being, being to an unranked Syracuse team. I just can't – their resume does not look as good as Oklahoma's. So oh, I know. My, uh, Alabama one, Alabama one, Miami yeah. two. That, that's how I see Oklahoma it. three, Wisconsin four, uh, Clemson five. Uh-huh. And I think Auburn six. Clemson yeah. five? In Auburn six. That's not bad. Georgia, yeah. Georgia seven. Georgia going to drop from one yeah. to seven. I mean, they will be get seven or eight, raised, but still. Mm-hmm. I'll say this: the frogs are going to be uh, ten. No, they're going to be. Yep. They're going to. They're going to drop to like fourteen. You watch because no. they're going to have. They're going to have Penn State. They're going to have Southern Cal. They're going to have Oklahoma State all in front of them, and Notre no, Dame. I think we'll be TCU will be number ten. Watch it. I'll write it down. I was thinking 15, so we'll see. No, I'm thinking 14 or 15. I'm with you, Daniel. All right. Don't trust them. They're slimy. Well, I, I agree with that. Hey, they've been, they've been fair up to this point. I will say that. They have. They actually, have. They absolutely this have. This is actually the first time in three years since they've been doing it that they've actually been pretty fair. Um, with they had us higher. Rankings. They had us higher with one loss in 14 and 17 than they did when we were undefeated in 15 this late. So... Interesting how all that unfolds. All right, guys. Well, we're going to bring this uh, podcast to an end. We want to thank everybody that's listened so far. If you're not yet, please follow us on iTunes. Please subscribe. Go find us on Google Play as well if you've got Android. If you you follow us on social media, we'd appreciate it if you give us a like, give us a retweet. It surely does help. And if also, if you are on iTunes, if you could give us a rating or leave a review, it really does help people find us. And we want as many members of the Frog family as possible to, to really enjoy this episode. We love TCU. We love to talk about it. We got good people that cover it. This is a great venue to get together and talk about what's going on in TCU football. So for Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.